Hi, welcome to Central American Voices. Hola, bienvenidos a Voces Centroamericanas. Mi nombre es Alejandra Quiroz. And my name is Susan Garcia, and thank you so much for choosing to listen to us today. It's our first episode, so we really appreciate any support from the beginning. So I was born and raised in New York City. I'm Guatemalan, and I'm currently based in Abu Dhabi for my studies. Yo nací y crecí en Tegucigalpa, Honduras. Me mudé a Los Ángeles, California cuando tenía 14 años. Fui a la Universidad de Costa en Norwich. Estudié estudios centroamericanos en Cinema and Television Art. And since we're talking about what we're studying, I'm currently studying Arab Crossroads Studies, which is essentially Middle Eastern Studies at New York University in Abu Dhabi with a minor in political science. And I'm set to graduate this May. So, Alejandra, what is Central American Voices? Now, this is our first episode, and we have to explain what our goals are, what we're planning to do, and essentially how we're planning to add to the community that's been growing for the past couple of years at this point. Yeah. So, uh, Central American Voices is like a space for people can share their stories. I believe in the art of storytelling and how people can learn from each other. I have learned so much from Suzanne and, you know, and so many people that I have interviewed before. And I feel like having a space where we can share our stories um, is so important. Also, Central American Voices is a place to connect. Um, a lot of us move out of Central America for different reasons. A lot of us went north to the United States. Many of us went to España, Europa, Asia, or South America. And I feel like at some point we lose that connection. At uh, some point we we have the place that is home, that is Central America. And we have our root or cultural tradition or language there. But when we're out of Central America, sometimes we are we get lost, you know, or we get blended with something else. And I feel like it's time for us to have a, a space to share our stories and to kind of like be more outspoken to be Central American. I think it's time for us to just be out there and share the real Central American. That way nobody can define us. Nobody can tell this Oh, you're this, you're that, you're this. It's just a place to share stories and say who we really are. Right. I think that's so important because um, as Alejandra and I were talking about in previous conversations, how a lot of times, although, again, in the past, you know, months and years, Central Americans have been coming up more in conversation and, you know, as a community, you know, certain figures are pushing for it more, but it's still very big picture. It's very, you know, oh, there's a there's X amount of Central Americans in Los Angeles, you know, which it's a step, but again, it it doesn't tell you much. It doesn't tell you how that actually looks like, what the day to day experience is. And so talking again, focusing on the voices, focusing on stories can really take us there and make, I guess, understanding of the Central American community more comprehensive not even just of the Central American community, but also within the Central American community, because like Alejandra says, as I was beginning to reconnect, you know, with my Central American identity, there's a lot of focus on the United States. For a lot of Central Americans that were born and raised in the United States, we just kind of think about ourselves, you know, and even then, like, it's hard for us to, you know, Alejandra, you were born in Honduras, and that's a different experience than being born and raised. So you... I, th I feel like it's harder for you to fall into that trap, you know, where being like, wait, a lot of people, you know, also go to Europe. P 
people go to, I mean, people just go wherever they can if they're trying to survive, if it's forced. And so hopefully Central American Voices is a step to do that. And I'm very excited to be part of this project because this is actually Alejandra's idea. She approached me. So I guess we should talk about how we met at this point. Yeah. So let me start with that. <laughs> um, so this idea started as me trying to think, what can I do more for my community? As Susan said, you know, I was born and raised in Honduras. I lived in Honduras for 14 years. And a lot of things that I learned over there, I came with it here. I started to realize how, you know, I was put in this bubble. You cannot act this way. Okay, esto no significa esto. esto no... So I was like... Someone trying to define me and then but me trying to, you know, I'm not that, you know, like I'm this. Así es como crecí, that this how I was raised and stuff like that. So by having the struggle all these years here, I feel like I started thinking like I'm I'm a hundred percent I'm not the only one, you know. So by thinking how can I do more for my community was how this idea started and Susan has an amazing page, an amazing page, Central American Collectives. Please follow that piece because it's amazing. <laughs> it's it's true. It's amazing. Well, you know, like it together, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we met each other. So I guess yeah, for that it could be amazing. It is amazing. You know, like she started posting about identity. I cannot like say so much about identity. Identity is so important. Your own identity is so important. Please don't let nobody erase it from you because your identity who defines who you are and she started sharing these stories about identity and erasure and I feel so much connected and I remember texting her through um <laughs> through Instagram and I was like girl like I feel you this is how I feel I remember sharing my story with you know I grew up here and then this is how I felt so we started kind of having like that conversation about identity and when I was planning this podcast I was just like I need someone else to talk with sometimes I don't want to be talking to the wall so I was like the best person I can think of is Susan of course because I felt when I was talking with her I can talk about anything by her trying to find her identities her Central American identity and me trying to protect that I think it's two points that we both agree on so I I contact her and I give her the idea and she agreed. I'm happy that she agreed because I was so scared she was going to say no. Because she's a busy woman. She has the website. She has all these ambassadors, patrons, blogs, newsletters. Oh <laughs> well, I'm not the only one who's busy. At one point, you have to talk about your side projects because you are a busy woman as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. You know, like, <laughs> but I think, I think it's important. I think it's relevant because, I mean... The other things that you do are so focused on stories as well. You know, like it seems that, I mean, everything's about telling the story of Central Americans, your other projects, including this one. Yes. Yes. You know, like I am currently working on my first documentary. It's about Mayan identity, not only here in the United States, but in Guatemala. I believe that in the Mayan community, a lot of us think that they're not, they're not exist anymore as they're like, oh, Mayans are you know, something of the past and then it's in North history. But in reality it's not. It, it's una cultura viva. We shouldn't go to to museums and we shouldn't go to places where we pay to see a culture in there. In, in my case mm -hmm. I went to Copan in Honduras and I, I have always loved 
the Mayan community. Pero uh, había algo dentro de mí that was just like, it's impossible that a big civilization happened just die. You know, because that's what we learned back over there. So the idea started with me since I was little. And I was so lucky to find some people that they were willing to share the story as a mom, my mom here in the United States, they're interpreters. And then people from Guatemala, too. They have a very important message to say. One of the main ones that they told me is like, I'm not Latino. I am not Hispanic. Please don't label me that. Us as Central Americans, we say we're Latinos, which is fine if you're mestizo. But a lot of us do not know the, uh, la diferencia entre Latino y Hispano. A lot of us, we don't. And that's the big point that I'm tackling in this in this documentary because, you know, I am mestiza. And most of my time I have identified as Latina. And as a Latina, I'm still learning. I'm still learning how to not only protect the uh, indigenous communities in Central America, but right. how to respect them. Yeah. Because sometimes we just forget. Yeah, I, and I think that's so important and, again, ties to that question of identity. You know, I mean, right now you just talked about, you just hit on, like, five different topics. We could talk about ours, you know, like, first of all, how, you know, as Central Americans, and especially, again, I'm, a, I'm also mestiza, you kind of grew up taking for granted of, you know, Central American equals Latinx, you know, it's the same thing but then you know and getting a lot of education through especially in social media from indigenous voices being like no don't call me that like we're not that because and you know these conversations of latinidad what does that actually mean you know it's basically just it's it's for mestizos it doesn't include you know the indigenous and black communities that very much do exist but most mestizos ignore or don't even you know not even not always in a mean way like they don't have bad intentions but they just don't know about these communities they're ignoring them um and i think that's a really important conversation that as central americans we have to have you know is that central american doesn't equal latino latina latinx it means it means many different things and so and i think that's also why i kind of wanted to just i prefer the term central american you know it's it's a lot more inclusive you know it's okay literally just from Central America it doesn't say that you have to be X or whatever. Um, and so I, I think that what you're doing is really important because Central, again, Central Americans themselves, mestizos themselves, because the privilege that we have don't know about it or don't care enough about it. Exactly. And, you know, um, Right now that you says, uh, you know, you prefer the term of Central American, I think I decided to use that term lately because this, and I have learned a lot by saying I am Central American because mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know where Central American is. Yes, that too. It's like people tell me there's only North and South. I'm just like, don't tell me I just don't exist because, right. you know, it, 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 a lot of people don't know where Central America, a lot of people don't know. I don't know Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Belize, Panama. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know that. They know about Panama because of, you know, the, ca the, ca the canal. The canal. El canal. That's it. You know, that's, it. that's like U.S. imperialism. That's literally, that's only why. Exactly. It's amazing how people don't know things in your own continent, you know, because right. we're so close to each other. But then at the same time, if you say Central American, we have a bad connotation. Yeah. It's the connotation of, you know, yeah, we migrate for a lot of reasons. 
sadly, a lot of our country have a lot of violence and corruption, you know? I'll say, like, we have a lot of good stuff, and then we have a lot of people who are making a positive change. Not only that, we have a lot to give to the world. And I feel like, se queda pequeño. Que es, las cosas malas siempre opacan a las buenas. Nuestros países se quedan muy pequeños aparte de eso. Why? Because of the same thing. There's a lot of privilege. And, you know, yes, as a mestizo, we have a privilege. And sometimes we need to use that privilege to protect other communities, to help other communities, to give voices to those. You just remind me of this. And it's so important. The Central American Black community. Oh, my God. As an Honduran, I grew up in Tegucigalpa, Okay. Es más que todo mestizo. But I grew up going to El Pueblo de Mi Abuela and then like going up north. And then there's this bad thing of people describe the, the black community in Central America. I feel it shouldn't be that way. You know, I feel like they're part of our community. They have gave so much to our, yeah, uh, our culture. So One thing I'm going to say, as an Honduran, a lot of people say like, oh, La Punta es Hondureña. no. Querido, that is a huge thing I've been seeing blowing up. Exactly. No, La Punta es Garifuna. And we have to say it. Uh-huh. As an Honduran, yo me siento agradecida con ellos que han compartido esa parte de su cultura. And then I was able to learn it. But we cannot take credit for it. We we can we don't have to take credit for it, mm-hmm. you know. They they have right. you know la comida que está deliciosa, and they have to have the credit. And we just we you know by taking credit for it, we we're just ignoring them. We're just like making them seem that they're they don't exist. There's a huge Garifuna and Mesquito community in Honduras, and sometimes we don't we don't accept them. We mm-hmm. don't think that they're part of our community, but it's like they are. But at the same time, we need to respect their their identity. We have to respect their tradition. We have to respect it. Right. I I feel that a lot. And and then I think it's again, it's about giving credit. It's not even about it, it's the bare minimum, truly. Because I saw someone Garifuna explaining, you know, no one's saying you can't dance it. No one's saying you can't learn it. Just give the credit because as you said it just a really big thing i talk about in with the santam collective of central american erasure when we talk about central american erasure a lot of the times we think about you know how mexicans or you know other non-central americans erase us but even within the central american community we erase again mostly black and indigenous communities which is dangerous because you know when People think about Central American or, you know, when they think about what an Honduran looks like or what a, you know, a Costa Rican, it's you think of a mestizo or it's even someone white, you know, um, you don't if you see someone black and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm from, let's say, Guatemala. A lot of people are like, no, you're not. But just because they're like, they just can't. It's not compatible for them, which I think is something that really needs to be dismantled because Like two weeks ago, I was talking to my dad and I was like, oh, like dad, like recently I've been learning about the Garifuna community and I, they they exist in Guatemala as well, you know? And my dad was like, again, my dad was born and raised in Guate. I mean, you know, in the capital, which again is very, I mean, it would be where like the most concentrated like white and mestizo population is. He was there. He left Guate when he was like 25 and he had never heard of them. And, I, you know, it's you're in the same country. They're very much. I mean, they've been there forever and he had never heard about them. And I was just, you know, my dad had an education. He had attended school until he left. 
And he never even heard about it. He didn't recognize that, you know, Garifuna. And so, and that's, and I didn't hear, I didn't, I never heard of, you know, Garifuna culture until I started the Sentam Collective in July. I went 21 years, you know, being, you know, Guatemalteca and also trying to be conscious, you know, like I would do research about Guatemala and everything. And I couldn't, I, I never learned about it until I started interacting with Garifuna people, you know, who educate you, took the time or like, you know, there's resources on social media. But before that, I had never heard of it. It's hard. It's just, it's just not part of the mainstream, which is so unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. And I feel, you know, if, for my kids, when they the Garifuna community, um, I grew up with with them, and they were present. But that at one point, you can feel it that some people try to push them away. A veces no son parte de la comunidad hondureña, pero aparte de que digamos la comunidad hondureña, comunidad guatemalteca, doesn't another you know another topic how we generalize identification too because a lot of people don't want to call because i have um, met a lot of people they don't want to say oh you soy de guatemala you soy guatemalteca a lot of people don't want to they want to say oh yo soy cachiquel yo soy ichil yo soy this for the same reason by putting that hondureño salvadoreño guatemalteco is practically reminding themselves that they're not part of it right and it's oh that's valid yeah it's a lot of topics it's kind of like the same you know topic of saying latino you know i feel cuando vine it los it, it, it's, just, it's just like another imposed identity exactly and cuando vine yo acá los estados unidos i i remember i had to fill out like a paper where like oh quesos you know Never in my life had <laughs> I, someone has asked me with race. <laughs> what kind of race are you? I'm just like, what? Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. You know, because it's like, and it was the first one was Latino, Hispanic. And then it's like uh, African-American, white, and blah, 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 blah. Right? And mm-hmm. then it's like, what ethnicity are you? And I'm just like. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, excuse me. Like, I yeah. am wondering. Like, like I am. You what know? I am. You know, it's not a exactly. So I feel like complicated. Yeah, and I haven't. I haven't been to other countries. You know, como es uh, España or otros países. But I feel like it can be that same way too, because here I learned that you're classifying groups. Yeah. You know, I feel like you're that, you're this, you're that. You have a title in it. I, I sometimes I feel like that title does not represent me. Like I say, you know, here the Central American community falls under the Latino umbrella, right? Right. But in the end, but then we're like, but are we really represented? Right. No, that's because even that, within you know the, you know Latin American community in the U.S. It's I mean even that. It's in different levels. First of all, it's dominated by mestizos or even a lot of times just straight up white, you know, yeah. Latinos. Um, and a lot of times even just like nationalities. Like, again, huge thing we all like in the Central American community we talk about is like Mexicans dominating the narrative. Exactly. Like it's, you know, like even within, you know, Latinidad, even Central Americans are so ignored central american culture and then even mm-hmm. within that again as I, we talked about like 
if you're not mestizo, you're most likely going to be ignored as well. So there's just exactly. like multiple layers. It's, and I think that again in Central America, where, um, and I mean I, this applies to other places as well, but in Central America, because there was colonization, there's, you know, there's the identities don't just fall into these boxes that I think mm-hmm. have been created over the past couple of centuries of you're white or you're black or you're native American, which I think most people still just associate with North America, you know, like only like, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's just a lot more complicated than that because for example, like again, Garifuna are Afro indigenous. Yes. Like what, what, are, what are they, what are they supposed to check in one of these things or for mestizos, you know, it's what do you, because as we've talked about all like, again, another what I've seen a lot from indigenous communities is that being indigenous isn't just simply, you know, about your, they call it like blood quantum because there's people Mm -hmm. that, for example, um, it's more about like the cultural experience, you know, like if there could be someone who, you know, I guess fit, I guess, because even race itself isn't a fact. It's not like an actual biological thing, but I guess let's say we do believe in it. And we're going by it. There are people that would fall more under the definition of white than another person, Mm -hmm. but they could still, they're still considered indigenous because they were raised indigenous in an indigenous community. And, you know, they Mm -hmm. have those cultural understandings that, you know, someone who, I mean, like people like us, right? Like we are completely tribalized. We don't, Mm -hmm. we don't have any connections. We don't, we weren't raised with that upbringing. And we don't face discrimination for being that because our families um, assimilated. And so it's mm-hmm. just very, I feel like it's really difficult even, you know, coming back, at, like navigating within us how to understand each other, how to talk to each other. Because, again, a lot of us have privilege and a lot of people don't even know they have the privilege to begin yeah. with. And a lot of people just ignore it, like knowing that they have a privilege and they don't do nothing about it. They get mad. They feel attacked or, you know, because again, because in the U.S. and again, this is a lot in like the U.S. context, because, you know, in the U.S. Latinx is seen, you know, it's like, oh, if you're Latinx, you're a minority. Like you don't have privilege. Like you're not white when, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of the times you can be white and a lot of the times you still do have privilege. And again, it's like back home. In Central America, it's different, you know, even within Central America, these inequalities, you know, like these systems of oppression of like race and wealth being very tied to each other, that this is existing in Central America back home. Oh, yeah. And a lot of times it's again, as we see, as we're seeing now um, with Central American migration, a lot of these people are indigenous and you know Mm -hmm. and like it's kind of related to your film but like about what you talk about in your film but you know in the u.s or like in you know they're like oh we need spanish interpreters but a lot of Mm -hmm. times they're struggling because no they need people who can speak indigenous languages because that's the people who need to leave because even you know even these countries these states a lot of the times they they are anti-indigenous yep you know, one thing that I learned um, making this documentary was that there's mom and um, Kachikel. 
those are two Mayan languages, right? And they're on the top five of mm-hmm. um, of the languages spoken in the immigration court, right? I didn't know that. And doing mm-hmm. this documentary made me think about how we just assume people, right? People's identity, people's language, yeah. because they were explaining to me how because the person have uh, you know an ID, you know an ID, como yo tengo mi cédula. You know, it, they say, oh, that person was born in Guatemala. Mm-hmm. Or this person was born in Belize. They just assume or their language. And a lot of people go to court. Yeah. A lot of people go to court and then they put in the Spanish interpreter. They're having people that started learning Spanish at the age of 15. Or, or at this time, right. they, they don't even speak Spanish. And we don't know that in Central America. We just assume that. Or sometimes they're like, mm-hmm. oh, ellos, because they speak in a, a, you know, a language. It's not a dialect another language because that's their mother language and sometimes people make fun of them or stuff like that and it shouldn't be that way and that's winning our community yeah you know no i agree you know actually guate has 22 official languages Mm -hmm. yes like it's spanish and 22 other indigenous languages because i mean again coming back to the point that I mean, these communities very much exist and they're a huge part of Central America, you know, because as I've been doing a lot of, you know, research like today on the Santam Collective, you know, looking into Central American dishes, like when we think about the foods we like, most of them are indigenous. Like it's not like the Spanish did Mm -hmm. not bring them like, you know, atol de lote or tamales, like these things are thousands of years old and they're indigenous. So then people don't want to you know, they don't want to give credit or they prefer to ignore the communities. And so I think that is something that, um, I think that's something that we'll probably try to discuss more in these series. And hopefully we'll get to have again, more voices from these communities during like in the duration of this podcast. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, You know, we hope for, for this podcast to not only reach the Central American community, but to have more awareness of other communities. That way they have a little bit more knowledge and they start learning who we are and they don't put just, you know, to the side. I think we're just obviously going to be intentional about bringing in a diverse set of Central American voices, you know, not just because again, even within the Central American community, we take it for granted what being Central American means, how that looks like, what the traditions are, depending on how you were raised, you know, because um, for for me, you know, that's, oh, if you're Central American, it's since my family was super Catholic, it means you're Catholic. Mm -hmm. But even when I go back, you know, when I go back to Guate, there's a lot of, you know, evangelicals. That was something surprising to me. But that's literally because, I mean, that's what you were raised as as a kid. And you just kind of apply that to everyone else. So even just simple assumptions like that. And obviously, and that's a simple assumption, you know, of religion. But ones that have way bigger consequences, you know, such as, you know, race and more salient ones. I think we're, it's important that we. For religion? Talk to that. No, I was saying how like religion is, I guess, maybe more of a simpler one. But I guess even religion, you like, for example, there's Jewish Central Americans. Yes. Um, Muslim Central Americans. Yeah, exactly. Or other religions. And that's, um, you know, Centam Beauty. Do you follow that page? 
Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. So it's run by um, this woman called Zyra. Um, and she's Afro-Salvadoran, who's also Jewish. And she, uh-huh. I mean, her page is what really opened up my eyes. Because again, because I was just raised thinking of like, okay, even if you're not Catholic, you're Christian, right? Mm-hmm. But you think it's so for granted when she like just started talking about, you know, her being Jewish. It was like, whoa. Like it, it wasn't like it wasn't even that before in my life I said no Jewish Central Americans don't exist. It's just that it didn't even cross my mind, exactly. you know, because you take it so for granted. And so, um, for me, it was the <laughs> Muslim community in Central America. Like even uh-huh. living over there, I never thought of it. Right, exactly. You know, you, you assume Muslim and you know um, with the Middle East, pero Hamas and. I probably, if you have asked me before, I have been like, wait, what? You know, like never crossed my mind that there's actually a community in Central America. And then the same thing, you know, I feel like La Iglesia Católica has a lot to do with it. Right. Most of the El Catolicismo happened for, you know, colonization. Exactly. And- it's so tied to that. Yeah, but then there's a lot of people who wants to forget colonization. Mm-hmm. So by bringing religion, it's actually bringing a side of of the church that nobody wants to talk about. Yeah, you know, a, a lot of sacerdotes did a lot of stuff bad back in the days, and you know, just like Catolica, and I, I grew up Catolica my entire life, mm-hmm. but my dad was Testigo de Jehová. Mm. You know, so I grew up in a, in 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 a house with two religions, and having that opportunity made me open my eyes that you know, no solo es el catolicismo, también es el testigo de Jehová, pero también aprendiendo más me di cuenta de que hay muchas comunidades that they don't want to even hear about catolicismo porque de tanto daño que le han hecho y muchas veces nosotros como católicos we see the church as something tan sagrado mm-hmm. y tan valioso, but do we actually think what the church have done to be that powerful? Yeah, I mean, it was, because it, it has it been a colonization lot. tool, and it was—I mean, it was used to justify colonization yeah. and yeah. to do the ugliest things, really. Yeah, and then, yeah, you know, and we can go back in colonization, and it's a lot to be said on it, you know. And so I feel like when it comes to colonization, it's really, really hard to justify the church yeah i think that's definitely a conversation that i've thought about you know because obviously i mean i'm not religious although again my family was very catholic but you know at the same time i mean at this point for my parents it's you know catholicism it's it's really a big thing that's part of their spirituality and and that's valid Mm -hmm. but i think it is worth stepping away you know just Mm -hmm. like again if i think because a lot of times Catholic communities or members can be judgmental when people aren't Catholic, you know, or they're not Christian. And it's just understanding why, like, hey, you know, the Catholic Church has hurt communities really, really badly. And so I think it's just having just stepping away from the bigger picture again within having that understanding, cultivating that understanding. And I, I think I think it's a valid point to make of we can be critical of things, you know, that can be good i mean it does have benefits for some people but it hurt other people mm-hmm. and i think some, today. 
Yeah, like you said, sometimes it's good to step away. Sometimes we need to step away and see the bigger picture. You know, we need to acknowledge other side of it because you cannot be religioso or like be part of a religion and not accepting the other side. I, I, I feel that you have to at least have a little bit of what had happened before to have such a big impact in communities. And muchas veces la Iglesia Católica no reconoce indigenous um, rituales y como a, a veces a veces las comunidades indígenas han, por lo mismo de, de cómo fue impuesto el catolicismo en Centroamérica han incorporado los rituales con la con la iglesia and yeah. they see that they see that as something different and I'm just like well th that's the result yeah you know? and my dad thinks the same way because again like my dad's from the capital which is just more Again, it's very mestizo. Well, my mom, like she was born, she was born and raised in the department Quiche, which has a very large um, mm -hmm. indigenous population. She would just like talk mm -hmm. about how, you know, in a lot of like Catholic holidays or celebrations, there would always be, you know, certain traditions that fused, you know, indigenous traditions with the Catholic faith. Um, and how they would always go and see it. Like my mm -hmm. mom herself really enjoys it because she grew up with it and she understands it. But my dad, who was born in a lot, you know, in a wider household, like I, um, I think my dad's side is very Spaniard descendant. My dad like very much looks down at it. Mm -hmm. You know, like my, my dad has some problematic views. <laughs> um, I feel like, that's like my, my mom, dad. Yeah. 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 My mom, my mom is just like, you know, Oh yeah. Like, Like your dad doesn't like that stuff. Like he doesn't like talking about it. Like if something comes up, he's just like, oh, that's like bad. Like you can tell he's judging it for being maybe unholy and mm -hmm. things like that because he sees Catholicism as something that has to be pure. And if it brings in other traditions, you know, it's not, I mean, it, it's like maybe sinful even. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but as you said, I mean, that's the, tr that's the result. That, that's how it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I totally get your dad. I feel like um, I have heard a lot of people that cuando ven rituales, they're like, oh, eso es cosa del diablo. I'm just like, come yeah, on, that's be respectful. Like they, other people believe that, in other stuff. That's what people were saying when they first came to Central America. Mm -hmm. Because, oh, it's not Catholicism. Like it has to be bad. It has to be sinful. So, yeah. And but I think that um, just the conversations we just had is kind of a good note to end on as you know as like a preview of like all the discussions and the perspectives that we're really interested on in focusing on with this podcast we really I mean we were able to just talk about this very easily for 45 minutes but this is something that we can spend hours on and and it will obviously be much more comprehensive once we bring in voices other other diverse voices with different perspectives you know of people how you know Have how this looks like in Panama or how this looks like in Belize or how this looks like in indigenous communities and black communities. Um, I think it, it's only going to get better from here with this podcast.
So before we say goodbye, we just want to remind you to please stay updated with our podcast page so you can see all the new episodes that come out. This can be made easier if you subscribe to our website, which is centralamericanvoices.com, and also by following our Instagram, which is Centam Voices Podcast. Goodbye. This is Susan Garcia. And this is Alejandra Quiroz. Te agradecemos mucho por su tiempo. And please tune for your next episode next week. Thank you. Bye.